Hello. We are on storyline five, and it is going over uh, Exodus 1 through 3. Before, Jay was talking about uh, Abraham and him leaving to go to a land not his own and uh, God promising to have sons. And I, if I remember right, they even talked about the sacrifice that happened. Um, where God was asked him to give up his only son, which, you know, the faith that it would take for all of those, <laughs> I, I can scarcely comprehend. But here in storyline four, or in storyline five, it's about, I believe, like 400 years after that point. And it talks about how Jacob was the 11th and favorite son of Joseph. Uh, Abraham's great-grandson, and he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And then uh, a lot of you probably already know the story, how uh, he just had event after bad event where, you know, he he gets sold into slavery. Uh, He does really well as a slave for Potiphar, but then the wife um, accuses him of, rape and then he gets thrown into prison and then at prison he does really well there and uh, helps interpret streams for some of the people there uh, you know has favor but he gets every the people he helps get out of prison but he gets stuck there for a while and then eventually he gets to go interpret a dream for uh, Pharaoh and become second in command to Pharaoh and then a little bit later, whenever, and God uses him interpreting those dreams for, for Pharaoh to bring favor to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians, uh, to store up for the famine that's coming. And it also protects his family because they come to him to get help, not knowing it was him. And, uh, but then God reunited them together and he got to be with his father and his other half-brother Benjamin that he's never met and he brought his whole family there and they settled with him there and then eventually they uh, all grow grew old and died and but their families kept populating and uh, they grew into a great number in Egypt but the people that were the Egyptians, the pharaohs, they, you know, over time got to where they had no clue who um, Joseph was or what he meant to that uh, the original pharaoh that he knew. And they saw the Israelites as a threat instead of as a help. So they subjected them to slavery. And uh, they were enslaved for 400 years, which God already told Abraham this was going to happen uh, earlier in Genesis. But now it's coming closer to the the end time of that, where God's going to deliver them. And he uses Moses to do it. Um, But in chapter 1, it talks about how, well, it gives the, the genealogy of all the brothers, 
and it talks about how they were afraid that they were going to be um they were going to overpower the egyptians and not help them so they they made them become uh slaves but eventually at one point the king said to the in exodus 1 uh starting at verse 15 it said the king of egypt said to the hebrew midwives whose names were sipra and pua when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on delivery uh, stool, if you see the baby as a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. But the midwives feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do, and they let the boys live. Then when the king summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born must be thrown into the Nile, but let every girl live. And then Hebrew, or not Hebrew, uh, Exodus 2 goes in to where um, Moses' mother didn't want to throw him into the Nile, didn't want him to die. So he, he covered him. He She hid him for three months until she could hide him no longer. Then she put him in a basket and try to make it waterproof and floated it down the river. And it ended up coming to Pharaoh's daughter. And she saved him. And uh, just so happens, the sister was there watching and... God's pretty cool how he works everything out because he ended up letting uh, Moses' mother help take care of him for a while and they and get paid for it too, which is just, I mean, God is already so good, but then it's like he exceedingly abundant uh, gave favor to her, which was pretty amazing. So then um, time later, Moses is older, and he learns about how he is Jewish and or Hebrew and the differences between he him and the Egyptians. And it, he kind of, I guess, in a sense, understands that he maybe could be a deliverer or someone that could help them. And so he steps into a fight that he sees happening. It says uh, on Exodus 2, 11, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them as they had hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day when he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting, he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have been known. 
When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. Um, then shortly after that, we see how Moses meets Jephro's daughter out at the well, helps protect them from the other uh, shepherds, and then eventually or Zipporah, uh, Jephro's daughter Zipporah at the well. And eventually they get married and have kids. And he lives out there for 40 years where God works on him. Then when he's like 80 years old, out walking around in Exodus chapter 3, we come up to the burning bush. Uh, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was on, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange thought, why the bush, why the bush does not burn up. When the, the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God said to him from within the, boat, the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he goes on to talk about how uh, he has heard the cry of his people, that he is going to deliver them, and he's going to bring them, they're going to, through God, uh, he's going to overthrow all their enemies and give them the promised land that's flowing of milk and honey. Uh, He said he's going to, you know, he wants to use Moses to do this. And uh, it's fun whenever Moses says, who will I tell them sent me? God said to Moses, this is chapter, or verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever the name you shall call me for all generations. So, um, what I think is kind of fun about this storyline, five, is we can see that before uh, God is giving us a plan um, in the previous storylines. And they're all interweaving together and it's 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 like god looking at, at a chessboard and seeing all the moves that are going to be played and how to win the game before the opponent even makes his first move i'm horrible at chess uh i i can't even figure out how to do my move when it's my turn let alone come up with future moves but God already has all these future moves made up, and he already, he, and he even explained it to them, like with Abraham. He told them this was going to happen. And then when he came to Moses, he told them, you know, what was going to happen. 
That's pretty reassuring. I mean, sometimes God, not some, uh, I think probably for a lot of us, God doesn't always tell us what's going to happen. He might give us a general idea of what he wants us to do, but um, he wants us to walk step by step with him in faith. And as humans, we tend to, especially me, when I learn something like, oh, I got to do this, you you give me a, a task to do, I just go off running to do the task, you know, and <laughs> make a ton of mistakes or whatever. And God doesn't necessarily want us to do that. He wants us to walk hand in hand with him through the whole process. And so he does that with with the Israelites throughout hundreds of years, um, working with them. And but gives them glimpses of what their future is going to entail and gives them glimpses of what he wants these different individuals to do. And it's pretty cool that not only does he use his chosen people, uh the the Hebrews, the Israelites, uh, the the family of Abraham, but he also uses these what you could be you could say is outsiders to help um like it, he uses Potiphar and the jailer and the um I forgot the guy that tape the wine taster for the the king and the um Pharaoh to bring favor to Joseph and to his people. And then he uses the midwives, um, said they were God-fearing. And all these people, when they listened to God, whether they knew that that's what they were doing or not, and they did what God was wanting, which was to bless the people, which Jay talked about before, that God said, whoever blesses you, I will bless, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Um, we see this coming to fruition within these pages. And it's pretty neat that even outside people he uses, he he blesses them, he gives them favor when they're willing to join in with him, which is always super encouraging to me that, uh, you know, not being of Hebrew descent, and being what you would consider a Gentile, like I, uh, when you are reading through all the Old Testament and you're seeing his chosen people, you know, sometimes it, uh, for me it kind of messes with the mind. But this way it makes it to where it's like, oh, yeah, he, he, he takes everybody and loves everybody. Um, and then Moses like before he even meets God with the burning bush, he knew some like he was already trying to stand up and be a deliverer and be a protector. He tried to do it in his own strength with fighting the Egyptian and killing him, and it didn't work out. And then he kind of did it again with um, protecting Zipporah, uh, his future wife at the well. 
it there's like it kind of shows how God already had placed in him a destiny, what God had called him to do. And I forget where it is in the Bible, but it, it talks about how like God has written out our stories in heavenly scrolls, uh, like before time began, which is, is pretty neat. And that, to me, that kind of is a great example of showing that. And even though that inner thing was built in him, it's we kind of see the the human struggle of he knows there's something there he's supposed to do, but he's kind of trying to figure out himself, and he stumbles through it, and it takes a really long time. Uh, I can't. I mean, I'm not 40 years old, so I can't comprehend 40 years in the desert having God work on on me, like, and then another 40 years in the desert with Israel, like, that that's hard for me to comprehend. But he he tried to figure all this out on his own, and then through time with God, he was able to go and do what it is God had called him to do. And even then he struggled. Like, he, we'll see in a little bit as we continue on, he had to have his brother... Uh, Aaron help him speak because he was afraid to go and speak because uh, of his his uh, his own insecurities, which is nice to see that even the giants of faith in the Bible they had their own issues, they had their own insecurities. They had their own times when they didn't trust God. And if they're these giants in faith and they had those issues, then it's not such a big deal for me to have those issues either. It kind of gives me, it helps me have grace for myself and also helps me um, be encouraged that I too can, can do these things like they did. And even when I struggle through it with him uh, or I'm afraid to do something with him, as long as I'm still going with him, he is always there with me. And sometimes he'll send other people to help, uh, which is pretty cool. So I guess with all this in mind, I would suggest that look at each of our own individual lives. And try to see where God has laid out a plan for us. And so some of you might already know what that plan already is. And for some of us, we might have no clue. But I'm sure if we kind of try to step back and look at it, we can see patterns. We can see instances where God brought these different circumstances in life where we've had certain inner passions or drive to do certain things where um, uh, I guess you could call it like a calling that we feel like God has given us a, a passion. And, you know, we might have messed it up a lot of times because we were trying to do it ourselves. Or you might already be doing it with him and succeeding at that, which is great. Um, but for those of us who haven't, 
you know, maybe this would be a great way for us to say like, oh, I failed in all these times. Was I doing it with you, God? No, I wasn't. I was trying to do it my own. Okay, well, let's try it this time with you. Or if, you know, I do feel like you're having me do this and I'm wanting to do it with you, but I'm scared. Who is it that you've put in my life with me to help me through this? You know, who's who's my Aaron um, to help me accomplish this task? So I just encourage each of us to look at that. But I'll go into prayer. Father, thank you for the story of Moses. Uh, there are so many, so many things that we can pull away from it. Um, but I ask that you just help each of us to look at our lives, to look and see where you have been speaking to each and every one of us, to see where you have placed inner passions and desires in our life. Um, and maybe where there's patterns where we've tried to do similar things and it might have failed, and we try to do things without you. Or maybe we're trying to do things, but you brought people in our lives to partner with us in it. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be sensitive to you, to let you speak to us and show us uh, where we need to make changes, where we've made these mistakes and need to repent of trying to do it on our own. And help us to see where we don't have the fear of the Lord like the midwives did, but let us change our ways to have the fear of the Lord so that we can partner with you, so that we can uh, reap the rewards that you give for those who, who partner with you and um, become like modern-day giants in the faith like you did with Moses. Um, you, you use everybody in unique ways. Uh, and each of us have a unique story that, and role that you want us to play and in this wonderful adventure of life you've brought us on. So I ask that you just help us stay focused. You help us uh, be willing to partner with you and willing to listen and submit to you, Holy Spirit. And help us see where you want us to be uh, deliverers and, and um, and usable vessels like you did with Moses. And we ask all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Have a great day.